What is good, my peoples? Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And this is the Super Bowl preview. Square up and square off for this week. And of course, we have Mr. Justin Marvel here with us to break everything down. What's going on, Justin? It's good to have me back. I didn't realize that Ken and AJ were only putting me on when Green Bay lose, but it's all right. It was on. <laughs> Never that, man. Never I, I, that. Marvel the Marvel, man. Good, good to see you, brother. <laughs> yep, and right, as you can see, AJ is wearing some special colors. So what's going on, AJ? Yeah, as, as we sit here recording on Tuesday night, it is coming to the end of Grenada's Independence Day, February 7th, 49th year of independence. So, you know, at a colors today as a green half of this podcast, I could not do without. This is the official, this is the jersey for the um, Spice Boys, the national football team, our soccer team, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, this repping the colors today, man, it was in the mood. My, uh, that is that is great stuff. Right now, I'm a little outnumbered because it's two greens to one red, but that's fine. <laughs> that's no problem. I am always here to bat with a straight bat, regardless of who is on the other side. We will have another guest join us as our show goes on. Um, that's Mr. Ricky Nurse. He will be definitely getting in on some of these conversations that we have planned for today. But as we are getting started on this special edition of the Green Beige Podcast. First up, Kyrie is a maverick. And of course, you know, there's a big football game on Sunday, but before we get to all of that, we go off the rip with the question. We fighting in the NBA again? So, <laughs> February is known most places in the world to be the month of love, but clearly nobody has told these NBA players that. Now, one thing, that one of my favorite ESPN personalities, Bomani Jones, always says is that there's a generation of NBA fans that has never seen their favorite player fight. We've come through eras of fights. We've had the bad boy Pistons, who seem to have beef with everybody, where both black guys and white guys would be seen screwing up on a regular basis. So let's not even get confused and think that this is a, a racial thing. Everybody was fighting back in the day. It was almost on the level of hockey, where you would go to watch a game and maybe, just maybe, we'll get a fight. Almost like dinner and a movie. But while fights were often, but not commonplace, two big fights seemed to have brought the end to the fisticuffs. First, the Malice in the Palace in November 2004, which brought 146 total games worth of suspensions and $10 million in fines. And then the Denver Nuggets at the New York Knicks in 2006, where a hard foul on J.R. Smith led to a punch thrown by Carmelo Anthony, then of the Nuggets, on Marty Collins of the Knicks. This fight led to 47 games of suspensions for seven players, including Melo, for 15 games, even though at the time he was the leading scorer in the league. Since then, while we've had the occasional dust-up and shoving match between players, we haven't had a real flare-up of fighting until this season where we've already had three. You know, there's this funny thing that they always say is that, you know, NBA players don't want to fight. They don't want to, they don't fight. They just, you know, it's just a lot of posturing. But apparently, 
these guys didn't get the memo. December 28th, Detroit Pistons at the Orlando Magic, where Mo Wagner and Killian Hayes were chasing down a loose ball, when Wagner gave Hayes the equivalent of a soccer shoulder to shoulder and pushed him in the bench. I mean, it was a foul in soccer too, but I digress. Hayes jumps up, punches Wagner in the back of the neck. Suspensions and fines were handed out to the 11 players involved in the melee. Then, last Thursday, the Memphis Grizzlies are at the Cleveland Cavaliers when Dylan Brooks, who got blocked on a shot and fell to the ground, rolled over and struck Donovan Mitchell in the pills. While collapsing, Donovan throws the ball and hits Brooks, then gets up to discuss the matter civilly. Actually, he got up to kick his behind because, you know, Brooks flies up off the floor only to get thrown down again by Mitchell, and then everybody gets in the scrum to try to break it up. Brooks was suspended one game, and Mitchell was fined $20,000 for retaliating. Stick a pin here. If a man hits me in the pills, and then I am fined $20,000, it's on site the next time. But, again, I digress. The last one was the biggest so far. And this was Friday night, right after Thursday night. The Orlando Magic are playing the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota. And Mo Bamba, who isn't in the game at the time, has some choice words for Austin Rivers after he misses a three-pointer. On the next Wolves possession, Rivers comes down and stands over Bamba on the bench and has some choice words for him. Bamba throws a punch or tries to bear hug him, depending on which report you read, and Rivers returns a few punches of his own. Jalen Suggs runs in and pulls down Rivers by his neck, and five players get ejected from the game. So, Justin, why can't we all just get along? I love it, actually. I don't want NBA players to get along. I've figured for too long, far too long since the Malice and the Palace, in the, in the Palace, sorry, and that Knicks Brom, Nuggets Brawl that you reminded me of, kind of forgot that one, that the NBA, I don't want to say too soft, but they just got too friendly. And a lot of that is because these players know each other so well from prior to going in the NBA. A lot of them are on AAU teams together and would play a lot of national junior teams together. So a lot of these players are friends, and they thought league is getting too soft. Granted, you don't want another malice in the palace because that is a black eye on the league. You don't want fights, especially those that threaten to spill over into the stands. But like you said, Ken, these NBA players aren't looking to fight. And the reason why you like it, not to sound like terrible, is because basketball... In its nature is not a soft sport. Like we sit down and watch it on TV and think, you know, we can play it. But when you get any key, it's a very physical sport. And, you know, at some point, you have to go beyond just putting the ball in the basket, shooting threes, or, you know, defending. At some point, there's a level of physicality involved. And you have to let opposing players know sometimes that enough is enough. I'll draw attention to the last one you called that cheap shot. And that's all they can call it from Dylan Brooks is just ridiculous. Like, you can't sit down and take that. And I was actually unimpressed by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I thought more players should have jumped in and and showed Dylan Brooks what time it is because that is your star player who essentially took a shot to his groin area that you can't have that. And we know we all grew up in the 90s. There's no way that you had players just for that, like to set a tone. You would have brought in the enforcer the very next play. 
and Dylan Brooks, I mean, obviously got ejected, but like Dylan Brooks would have gotten a shot, whether he was getting paint or something, he would have gotten an elbow to his chest, to his neck or something like that. And I thought one of Cleveland's bigs should have jumped in there and give him a straight right because that is your star player. Like if you're going, if you're going to make any advancement in the playoffs, it will be because of Donovan Mitchell and what he does in the postseason. So you got to protect your players. So it sounds bad to come here promoting violence, but this friendly nature of basketball where everybody hangs out afterwards, that has to stop. Like at some stage, I'm your opponent. You hit my star player, come for this straight, right? And we could talk about basketball after the fact. <laughs> oh, you, how do you feel about these um, these two pieces that a uh, phrase that sharing all about in this NBA season so far? Well, I already shared my my thoughts on um, the the same one that that Justin was just speaking of the Donovan Mitchell and Dylan Brooks. Like, I'm a fan of Dylan Brooks, and and <laughs> even before this, so if if I had been seen, if I was in that league, and Knowing that the, this these are the kind of antics that the man was up to, and he did that to me. Now it would have been a lot more serious than that. It would have been a lot more serious than me just throwing a ball at him and just getting in his face. Like, I I would have taken a few games well for real, because that's that one is ridiculous. Like that's just a cheap shot. Like this, there's a difference between like men chirping and then it gets a little heated, or uh, and and a man taking a cheap shot at you. Like, you see that one? Mm-mm. All in all, though. <laughs> like Justin, I, I actually like it. I actually like it. The thing is, unlike yesteryear in our era and the two fights you mentioned, like these are like B and lower B and C level players at best who fight it, right? I, I mean, except for, for Spider, of course, right? Mm-hmm. He's the only like superstar that's involved. So there's still an element of it being like, all right, these guys just acting up. Like, but who, who are they really? Like, leaguing will miss them if they were suspended or anything like that. But at, at the end of the day, I agree with, with Justin's sentiment that you kind of want to see that little, that little fiery, uh, um, those fiery antics from players as opposed to them being just friends and business partners outside of ball. And like, it, I mean, it's good to have that camaraderie because at the end of the day, the entire league is a brotherhood. So, you know, like you, you still look out for, for your fellow player, right? Which is why I, I can't stand what Dylan Brooks did because that a cheap shot is just something completely different. But again, I digress. At the end of the day, like even with your siblings, you fight with your siblings. So I have no problem with 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 what took place. I'm not I'm not going to say that I want to see more of it necessarily. But I mean, it it is a sign, and I, <laughs> like Justin said, like and and you, I think you mentioned what Bomani said as well, like. There's a whole generation that's never seen like their, their favorite player like, come uh, um, come to fisticuffs in like that kind of situation, right? So it like yo, this is what the league was, guys. This is what it was. This is and and it was a lot worse than this. Like these little squabbles ain't saying nothing to what we used to see. But you know what? I I actually like it. I'm glad that no one was seriously injured, though. I must say that. Like I don't want it to get to that um to that, to that level. Nor do I want it to be another malice. Matters at the palace where, the, where an innocent fan ended up ended up <laughs> taking a few jabs and hooks because it was thought that he was a culprit. But I don't have a big problem with it, especially not for these like Mobamba. Like like Austin Rivers said, like the only way he knows Mobamba is from a, because a song was made about him. But um, I mean Austin Rivers ain't nobody but Doc Sun himself. So <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with it. I just 
I'm not promoting it, but I don't have a big issue with it because it didn't end up in blood being drawn or anything like that. Before we so, go, okay, sorry, I just want to add her, right? I can never forget, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a peace-loving person who has pushed, you know, you know, he's a, obviously a, 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 a Muslim, right? Mm-hmm. And I will never forget there's this image of a white guy elbowing him in the paint, right? And before the play is even done, Kareem says, no problem. And when the ball swings the other side, straight, right? That's what I've been brought up on. Facts. Facts. So jumping in here now. Oh, just in time. Ricky Nurse. So Ricky, welcome. Glad to have you as always. <laughs> Glad to be here. Coming in late like Beyonce at the Grammys. You <laughs> want came to know it. It's more green, though. More, more green. green. More green more for it. green, sir. <laughs> I recognize green. that I am completely outnumbered, but that's okay. So, Ricky, we are here talking about fighting in the NBA. So, apparently, we're fighting again. That, that's that's what it is. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Um, I don't know, man. Fellas doing anything for clicks right now. We don't even report on basketball in the NBA anymore. Right? We we talking about who who did what, who said what, who is a thug, you know, who got more street cred than who is that's where we are. Who removed what from their social media? It's yeah, it's it's a different world right now. It's a different world, Jay. It's a different world. It right. is true. No, the, I blame the NFL though. You give the fellas an extra week to prepare for the Super Bowl, so the NBA players say, "All right, we can fill this space with content." <laughs> God bless them. Hold my beer. I mean, what we are saying right now for the modern NBA is unprecedented. I mean, all right. So I talked about the three fights in my lead into this topic that we've had, and. They're, the only thing that is common between the three of them is that punches were thrown. Because Maybe. the first one, you had two guys rushing, running for a loose ball, and one gets a shoulder check into the bench, and he gets up and throws a punch. That's kind of like what we were accustomed to seeing back in the day. But the the Dylan Brooks one, now everybody knows how I feel about Dylan Brooks. Like, I, and how I feel about, and how I feel about the, the, the Grizzlies in general. Because the Grizzlies do way too much talking for a team that has not won anything at all. I don't know why they think that they can talk the way they do, but that's what they do. So, personally, I would not mind if somebody holds them and rinses them with a sweep in the first round of the playoffs, regardless of where they are seated. But that is neither here nor there. Dylan Brooks, on the other hand, he has decided that he wants to be the guy that goes on the other side of the line. He he is not a he's not a toe stepper or a toe tapper on the line. He is just crossing over like the chicken crossing the road. So so far we've seen him this dislocate. Line stepper. Yes, habitual line stepper. <laughs> yeah, so we've seen him dislocate Gary Payne in the second's elbow. And now we've got this situation. Well, we had the situation a few weeks ago with he and Shannon Sharp, where really and truly can't really say Dylan was in the wrong necessarily, except that if he's going to run at Donovan Mitchell and Spider is just going to easily throw him to the ground, you're not going up against the black superhero that is Shannon Sharp. So. No. 
I don't know what is Dylan Brooks's problem, but clearly he has one. And then the situation that we had on Friday. I mean, if every Thursday night to Friday night, it, we, you know, it's almost like if you're in a school and, and tensions are high and one body starts to fight, everybody's fighting. So that seems to be what happened between Thursday and Friday. Because why is more Bamba apparently mouthing off to Austin Rivers of all people? Like, Austin Rivers is just, he's just Austin Rivers. The most memorable thing that Austin Rivers has done so far in the NBA is to get into that that, that squabbling thing he had with um, Glenn Big, Big Baby Davis when Big Baby said that the only reason he was in the league was because of his father. We know Austin Rivers from that, and there was no fight then, but apparently more Bamba has something to say. And I don't know why Austin Rivers thinks that I can just go and stand up over this man on his bench, not my bench, on his bench, and tell him something, and that's got that's all it's going to be. These youngsters don't have no respect for nobody. LeBron was out here quarreling about how the Grizzlies were mouthing at him. So clearly there's a lack of respect between the youngsters and the old heads, and now we've seen a lot of fights. But I don't mind it. Like I said, it's dinner and a movie. Dinner by itself is fine, but if you get in the movie too well, perfect. Why the heck so, not? I will say this, right? As a habitual line stepper myself, right? Like <laughs> I tell you all some stories. I've said some things on the court. Boy, oh boy. Um with the Grizzlies, right? Quit like y'all said I'm not a fan of what they're doing, but as someone who trash talks a lot, what people don't underget is that trash talkers usually do that to get themselves going, not actually to get at you, but it's a way of, of amping up and ramping up themselves. And I think, you know, like, it kind of helps the Grizzlies in terms of they're young. And so, you know, it's a way to get the team going. It's a way to to to, to get everybody ready to say, hey, we're, we're here, we're here. So you kind of get that attitude. And if you're the coach, you don't really want to kind of temper that because, like, it's kind of there, I don't want to say a persona, but that's what the, 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 the guys rally around, right? So you, you kind of understand that. But at the same time, too far east is always west. And it's one thing, like, you know, the Warriors trash talk a lot. Like, they talk and talk a lot. But they also have four titles behind their name. So they can afford to talk. Like, the Grizzlies have to understand, like, you got to see people like LeBron. You got to see people like Steph Curry. And just shut up or, like, keep it to a minimum. You could go up there talking to everyone else. And again, I know it's for not really to get under opponent's skin more so than to get players involved in the game and to say, hey, like, we're here, let's go, let's go, let's go. But there comes a point like Dylan Brooks stepping up or Dylan Brooks and what's the other kid? Um, the other wing player that went talking to LeBron. Dylan Ben. Ben. Mm-hmm. That's being talking to LeBron. Like, you gotta know that's not gonna end well. Like, you just gotta see certain players, and they could tell you all firsthand. I'll give you all an example. In my habitual lane stepping days, I've had some run-ins. Um, one of my friends, Andre Lockhart, being one of them. And I'll never forget, like, you know, there is this thing, Ricky would know like at that time there is a kind of friendly rivalry, but unspoken one where Lockhart and um Jeremy Gill. We all know him as Bull. Both kind of viewed themselves as the country's best player, but neither would come right out and see it. So I'll tell you, I'm scrimmaging with Andre Lockhart on the, in Leicester Vaughan. And I want to see, yeah, 
he was just going through the paces using it as a way to exercise right and he's used he's wearing his england jersey so his england jersey has on not his typical number three but number 11 which is jeremy gill's local number right so me now as i tell you i'm a habitual lane stepper as <laughs> we beat him like three straight times but again he's just going through the paces so as he's walking off the court right i tell him yo I'll bring the real number 11 and do uh, come on. And he look at me and said, What you say? I said, I stutter. I said, Bring the real number 11. <laughs> now, most of the people on the court may not have realized what that meant, right? But yeah. he knew that I would get under him. Worst mistake I ever made. Andre Lockhart in a four on four game. 20 lovers himself. Everybody <laughs> 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 else and This is the court. Pearson Griffith, 10 Pearson Griffith that played Division One basketball in college was on the floor and never touched the ball. Pierre. Andre Lockhart went after me. I remember forget there's a player that we double teamed Lockhart on the baseline. He threw the ball between us, split us, and let the ball. And that's when he knew, yep, it's a long night. It's a long night. <laughs> that's a story I did not know I needed. But but <laughs> but, but let me add to that though, Justin. I, I get what you're saying about amping yourself up. The danger with that, though, is that we know there are a number of teams that basically go below the radar, and when the playoffs come, collectively, they find a way to raise the intensity as a team. To mm -hmm. me, the danger with this particular squad is that when they're doing this, you're giving those teams reason to now rally, to now become cohesive, and now to raise the entire level of the entire team and the intensity playoff intensity already is raised but now you're giving every team in the west a reason to rally and like ken was saying earlier leave home before brooms and look to you know like a series where you might get one or two these men now looking to finish you straight and to me that is the danger that that team is is you know setting themselves up because you're going to get an intensity from whoever you play that you may not have gotten under normal quote-unquote circumstances. So to just finish this one off, as Justin, as you said, if people are trying to amp themselves up, Ja Morant, Taylor <laughs> Rooks had a conversation in which she asked Ja, who, you know, who is he worried about in the NBA? And he said, only the Celtics. She said, nobody in the West. He said, no, nah, I'm good in the West. And since he's been good in the West, he's been under 500. So enough said about that. So <laughs> from, from one Maverick player to another, Kyrie Irving is a Dallas Maverick. We had reports that Kyrie had been traded to the Mavs after submitting a trade request. But then Josiah and Steve Marks, well, apparently they put the prospective trade on hold yesterday, seemingly trying to rope in a third team to get more help or assets, you know, to put around Kevin Durant, who apparently himself has garnered great interest with the Boston Celtics. The trade, as announced, is Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris for Spencer Dinwiddie, who's spinning the block, Dorian Finney-Smith, the 2027 20, second round pick and then the unprotected 2029 20, first round and second round picks. So, Ricky, as presently constructed, who wins this trade? I have to say that Brooklyn won the trade 
um, for the simple reason that you eliminate a major headache, a headache that you cannot predict. You don't know what you're going to get out of him as long as he felt, and I, I see that he said it today at the press conference, that he felt disrespected. So if he's in that frame of mind, I mean, I am notorious in a number of group chats for saying, okay, guys, we've gone three weeks without Kyrie throwing a tantrum. Brace, it's coming, it's coming. And the fellas used to laugh at me. Many a time I would say, oh, yeah, boy, Kyrie can drop two weeks sick leaving when I hear now. And so none of this for me personally, as the Kyrie hater of many a group chat, is surprising. <laughs> because I love the man's game on the court. But there's no way I put up with that heading into what I feel was a good, you know, a potentially good Brooklyn team heading in. So for them to be able to offload him, get assets that have a bit of familiarity along with the, the draft capital, I would have to say that Brooklyn won the trade because if Kyrie doesn't resign with Dallas and he walks, what has it done for Dallas? If Dallas gets to the Western Conference final, loses... And then Kyrie walks. Where does that leave you? So for that reason, I would have to say that Brooklyn won the trade because at least Brooklyn has something that they can work with beyond this season. Well, were you, Justin? Do you agree or do you have another thought about who won? I don't know if there are any winners here. Uh, so let's start from Brooklyn's point of view or let's start from the overall point of view. And I know Ken and I had this huge debate, so I'm glad that you kind of brought this here. The reality situation is, right, uh, superstars win titles. Uh, forget this talk about depth. Uh, forget this talk about draft picks. Huh? Draft picks don't real, really mean anything to a title contender because I always say draft picks lose their value the moment that you have to use it to draft somebody. I'll give you an example. Would you want the number two overall pick or would you want Kenyon Martin? Would you want the number three overall pick or do you want Victor Oladipo? You see what I mean? Like, they're so good in theory until you have to use them to draft a player. And title contending teams don't care for draft picks. So from Brooklyn's point of view, like, the hall may seem decent, but that hall isn't going to help you when playoff time, when you have to face Boston, Milwaukee, or even Philadelphia. That's not going to get you over the hump. Kevin Durant by himself, and especially an agent Kevin Durant, is not going to work. Your best case scenario was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving working that out. No, on Dallas's end, I know a lot has been made about what they gave up, right? But again, the draft picks are not going to help you. Like You're not going to use those draft picks to draft somebody that's going to put you over the hump. No one coming out the draft is going to give you that sort of impetus to put you over the top. No, as it pertains, again, Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. Good players, but again, superstars win titles and they can show you for the last 40 years there are a handful of players that essentially won titles with the exception of one in 2004 when the detroit pistons shot um two of your uh, los angeles lakers but i can name the players right now now you're talking about kareem um kareem hakeem michael jordan um isaiah thomas oh why are names failing me right now maybe that new jersey um, New Jersey Nets team would have been a surprise as well, Justin. That that Nets team that came out of nowhere and won that title, no? Which Nets team? Um, that would have had. That was a a, a Nets team with. Um, no, you're thinking Philadelphia 76ers. Huh? 
You're thinking no. 76 is the Nets have never won a title? Wasn't or they or they made it to the final? Made it, yeah, huh? got, made it to the final. Got swept by it, the, if I remember correctly. They made it to the final, right? But they yeah. came out of nowhere and right and, 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 and then had, had a hell of a run. But you could go on again. Shot Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Dirk Nowitzki, Steph Curry. You understand Kawhi Leonard? Mm-hmm. There are a, only a handful of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. These four, these last forty titles have been won by I think ten or eleven players. So I say that to say Dallas saw a situation where they saw the only superstar they let could have gotten in Kyrie Irving. No, is the fit going to work? And the answer is no. That fit is not going to work. Yes, it was a Jason Kidd, Kenny right. Martin, and Richard Jefferson, but again, that yes. team lost again to you know superstars Tim Duncan and Shaq, um, not in that order. So. Dallas saw a situation where they could get another superstar to pair with their with theirs because Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie are not going to put them over the top as they found out in the Western Conference Finals against Steph. No, the issue is, again, fit. And we know Luka Doncic is likely, not even forget likely, the most ball-dominant player in NBA right now in an offense that is essentially the Houston Rockets offense that worked, for lack of a better word, with James Harden. I watched NBA today, and they did show a way in which this could work because at least both guards, Kyrie Irving and um, Luka Doncic, prefer the other side of their courts, right? So Luka primarily works on the left side. Kyrie works on the right. So if Luka goes and enforces some sort of trap double team, when you kick it to the right side, you'll have a scrambling defense, no trying to reset and close out to Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving, for all he is and what Ricky said, most of which is true, Kyrie Irving, what is lost in discussion is that Kyrie Irving is one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA without a shadow of a doubt at all three levels. Whether Do I expect it to work? The answer is no. Do I like Dallas trying? Yeah, I like Dallas trying because your team as constructed was not going to win a title. So find a superstar. Yes, he brings headaches. He's a huge distraction. Locker room cast, if you want to call him all that. Guy who may not be focused on basketball. But Luka Doncic and the scraps in Dallas was just not going to win it. Okay. What about you, AJ? This is your hometown. So tell me, who won this trade from your perspective? Um, every time Justin is on, I feel like Justin, and every time he goes right before me, I feel like he he's he's basically saying everything that I'm about to echo. Um, yeah, I, I'll, 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 I will audible a little bit and change and change something right i i feel like the mavs actually want just won this trade and i'll tell you why um let me let me give you all a little history lesson now right take it back to, to secondary school y'all remember dr eric williams you remember his very famous quote when when um when with the with regards to his justification of because he was at that time prime minister of trinidad and tobago regards to his justification of why he was pulling trinidad and tobago out of the west indies federation and he said one from ten leaves zero, right? Yeah. Now, obviously, mathematically, that's that's impossible. But you understand what he means. Like this, this thing is falling apart, right? That's essentially what's going to happen to the net. Like getting Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith means absolutely nothing, as 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 was mentioned before. Dinwiddie just spinned the block and came back. Like they already got rid of this man once. They, they, I mean, they took him back because they know that he's 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 a good player. He's a good squad player. He's 
like Dinwiddie had his day, but since that major injury, Dinwiddie has not been the same. Like he showed a little, he showed some glimpses of that in the last postseason, but again, it wasn't enough for the Mavs to get over that hurdle with him and Dorian Finney-Smith, who's who's a, a, a decent enough player as well. The entire Nets, um, that this entire project, which started with a big three, is now done. And uh, the thing is, Kevin Durant doesn't have the leverage to be able to force his way out at this point. So we'll see how that goes, if they keep him horses there or not. But their entire like championship run is done. On the flip side, the Mavs, to me, didn't give up very much to get a superstar. No, no. to, to Ricky's earlier point, if Kyrie does not resign, and there's a high, uh, um, very high possibility that he does not, because that wasn't his preferred destination, if he doesn't resign, then all of this would have been for absolutely nothing, right? But you have to go for it. For a team that, that was in the Western Conference Finals last year, and one of the main reasons why they couldn't get over the, the hurdle is because there was one superstar on their team. And, and this is a superstar-centric league. Like, one superstar is not winning. And Justin already alluded to that, so I'm not going to go over that. But one superstar is not winning a chip. It's not going to happen. Like, it, it's not going to happen. So you need another one. What, they gave, what, what the Mavs gave up was absolutely nothing, to be very honest with you. Like, on paper, it looks like, oh, well, yeah, they, they gave up two good role players in Finney Smith and Dinwiddie. Them boys ain't getting into the promised land. They're not. That's just the honest truth. And the picks they gave up, it was one this year and then like two in 2029. Like, who the hell cares about 2029 picks? The Nets can probably trade out before that, that draft even comes around, bro. So, so I don't think that that the 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 Nets, um, that the Mavs gave up too much to, to make a run. This is what teams do when it comes down to deadline. They, they try to, to, to put all the chips in the middle of the board and go for it, right? That's what they did to get Kyrie Irving on a short-term loan. The, the Raptors did it with, with Kawhi, albeit it was for a year, but it paid dividends, right? I mean, why not try it? And, and, and I must add, I must add, I feel like people give too much credence to this point about, oh, well, how is this going to work and two, these two men two, so ball-dominant? I'm, I'm not even going to get into stats on that. What I will tell you about that is the same thing Ken I told you a couple years back. These men are human beings. They're not stupid. They will figure out a way to play with each other for the greater cause. <laughs> they will no, they will do it. Because remember a few years ago when no, no, granted, I'm not saying that this works to the point where they win a chip, but I'm saying they will figure it out. They will. Remember a few years ago when when Westbrook Westbrook was traded <laughs> <laughs> to Houston. And, and all the throw was, oh, well, James Harden usage and Westbrook. And I, and I told y'all, listen, James Harden ain't stupid. He's going to, to relinquish some of that, of that possession uh, to Westbrook. And he did. He went from the player with the highest usage to, like, number three or something like that. Westbrook saw a lot more of the ball than anyone expected. They, they, now, did it work out? It didn't work out because around those two guys, the team wasn't strong enough to, to beat other teams. But it wasn't an issue with one person still wanting the ball and and not giving it. Come on. Luca has to be ball dominant in, in the Mavs team because who the hell else is he going to give the ball to? Who? This is arguably the biggest superstar. Not arguably. This is the biggest superstar, the best player that Luca Doncic will ever play with, like up in his career so far. This is the you think you think this man, after losing a Western Conference final last year, is not going to adapt his style of play to, to allow Kyrie to be a fit in this team? You think he doesn't want to win? Come on. I, I, people give too much energy to that. They will figure it out. I'm not saying that the Mavs will go on to win a chip, 
But with regards to this trade, I think they want it. Okay. So we have Justin that said the Nets. We have AJ that said the Mavs. I didn't say the Nets. I said there were no winners. <laughs> well, okay. I would, and yeah. it will lead towards Dallas if anyone won this trade. Okay. And Ricky, remind me again who you said won this trade? I said the Nets, sir. Okay. Uh, so we got the Nets, the Mavs, and one, and who, one who said neither. For me, neither. the only true winner of this trade is Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Kyrie well Irving well is the only is the only true winner in this trade. Well, well played, sir. <laughs> he has he said it as and you alluded to it as well, Ricky. He said that he wanted to be some he wants to be somewhere where he is wanted and not just tolerated. He has gotten that by being moved to somewhere other than being in Brooklyn. And AJ, I I fully take your point that these men are human and they will have an opportunity to figure it out. The only thing that gives me pause where that is concerned is that this trade is happening in February and not happening in July. So if it happened in July, you have all of training camp and mm -hmm. all of the months that have already passed to get the rhythm that you need for the I wasn't the talking about rhythm. I was just I talking understand. about the mental the mental aspect of, 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 of the mental side of it, of saying that. I'm just I was just saying that Luca is not stupid. Like he's going to know that he cannot have as much possession of the ball and he will not want to with a superstar like Kyrie. That was all. Well, I I and I take I take your Justin. point. <laughs> but at the same time, we are we are well into this season and there's not a lot of time now for them to figure out how to play with each other because there is going to be a lot sure. of toe stepping over sure. these next few months. So Kyrie, he is not where he wants to be, as you've mentioned. And he, the one thing that may actually work in Dallas's favor is the fact that he still has a lot of money. I can't, I'm not even going to try to do the math, but he still has a lot of money left on his contract. And he's moved to a state now that doesn't have income tax. So he's going to get some more money than he might have gotten if he stayed. Nor a vaccine mandate. All right. So, I mean, in that regard, all of that, he's coming up roses. But we will see. We will see how it plays out now over the next few months because there's still only one ball. And I just want to correct one thing Justin said. Luca is not the most ball-dominant person in the NBA. He is second. Second. Statistically, it's actually Embiid. Right. So... That that is it for that. So now we have we've completed our MBA conversation for today. And this weekend just passed was whoops. Hit the wrong one. The Pro Bowl. The NFL Pro Bowl. Now the Pro Bowl changed its format completely this year. Dispensing with the farcical Pro Bowl game and instead including some skills competitions and two flag football contests. By show of hands, fellas, did anybody watch the Pro Bowl this week? All right, Ricky. To be fair, right, I will say the only reason I actually did not is because I was actually at work that day. Otherwise, I would have tried to tune in to see what it was about. Well, I, I tuned in for all <laughs> of, like, four minutes during that fly football game. I, as soon as I, full disclosure, as soon as I 
I messaged in the chat and said, yeah, man, I you know switching on the Pro Bowl. Justin was like, yeah, you can turn it off shortly. And yeah. he, was, <laughs> I did. And he, he was not wrong. Because even the Pro Bowl was watching me because I was working on, on Monday's show. And while it was on, so I took a peek up every now and then. I'm like, yo, not missing anything. So, Ricky, since you were the only one that actually actively watched the Pro Bowl, tell us about it because that was family time for me. I, I did not see it at all. So, all right. what do you think about the changes to the usual format? Right. So, again, where my marketing hat on this one? I get what the NFL is attempting to do. They realize that they have our generation. So, they have the baby boomers. They have Generation X. They got the older side of the millennials as well. The reality of it is they have to capture more of the younger side of millennials, and then they got to capture this generation called Generation Z. The problem they are having is that the older format Pro Bowl does not attract or um, retain the interest level, which is already a short attention span, of that younger generation. Everything I saw, and I did for my sins, I watched a lot of it. Everything that I saw was to go after that generation. So there were a lot of short attention span antics um, within the the format. Um, The celebrity component was there as well. The players being ultra casual, playing something like flag football, which appeals to a younger um, crowd as well. So I get what they were trying to do. Was I entertained? You know, when they say, are you not entertained? No, it was not, right? <laughs> to be honest, no, it was not. But I get what they're trying to do. I think the challenge that we're facing, though, is that the players probably had no issue with it because if I show up and I get whatever you're giving me on all the associated endorsements and we can package this thing on these moments, which they did, um, I totally get that as well. Because really and truly, if you look at it, they took the content from all the different activities and then they just feed it out to us, feed it out to us, feed it out to us. So from that point of view, I get it. Do I think what I saw on on Sunday is sustainable? No, I don't think so. Reason being, you still need people to get excited enough about that, that if you make it to the Pro Bowl, some of us, not all of us, but some of us are interested to tune in. And therein is where I see them having a challenge, but like everything else is going to come down to the metrics. The NFL is going to look at that, see what the numbers say in terms of our interest level. Did we consume it in such a way that we would return to watch it again? And trust me, if the numbers are horrible, it will change again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be difficult. Like right here, right now, it's difficult for me to think of what they can do to make the Pro Bowl that appealing from the player's perspective, because it's one thing from the fans, like we we will vote for our favorite players to make it to the Pro Bowl. And once they make it to the Pro Bowl, you are hoping that you get an opportunity to see best on best and best on best playing a full speed game of football. But these players just came from playing 18 weeks of full speed football and already know for the ice bath and the sea bath, they're not ready for any more of this bloodbath that is the football they, game. They so. didn't even they didn't even rip the flags. Having played flag football at university for several years, 
they didn't even reach and rip the flags <laughs> the way that you normally would. So even from that point of view, it was cringy because anyone who played like football would tell you these guys weren't even trying. I saw, I saw like, I saw one play, and of course it had to be a pick being thrown. I saw Trevor Lawrence throwing a pick um, to Jair Alexander. That was the only thing I actually. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) I I was glancing at the TV because Sunday was actually a really busy day at work, so I was glancing at the TV and I saw that. And then the only other thing I saw in the media was that Jalen Ramsey took this like it was a playoff game. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> was, that was probably the most shared content from the game, and rightfully so. And again, that is the early ages, so thanks for that. Because what that shows is it was the one moment where we saw something that resembled real football, and that mm. was the most shared content mm-hmm. coming out of it. Good. So yep. that, again, speaks to the appetite we have for contact in a, in a sport like that. There you go. So the NFL, they have their work cut out for them to try to figure out what they're going to do about this Pro Bowl mess. But I I am very anxious to see how they're going to be able to convince these guys that, like, for defensive players especially, how I'm going to tell you that I want you to go put another 15 tackles on your body. Sure. No, what's the no, sense of, of even asking Lyman to be at the Pro Bowl? Like, yeah, that's that's what had me because I was like, so we we just we just literally playing like neither full seven on seven because we got a warm man snapping the ball quarterback and like as you said, Ricky, they weren't even really like ripping at the flags. No, it was they a wrap they tackle. Weren't. I'm gonna grab you here and then I'll pull the flag off of you. I'm yeah, like, there's a lot of hugging and then removing the flag. That is correct. It was it was hard to watch, but. I, I get what they're trying to achieve. The numbers can speak volumes like everything else. So the numbers will tell us what direction that goes. Okay. So from fair football to the biggest football game of the year, <laughs> the Super Bowl is coming on Sunday. Super Bowl number 57. Where the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles square off at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Fun fact. Whoever wins this game will have one more win than the Cardinals themselves in their home stadium. So, when we're looking at this game, we're going to go from the Eagles' perspective first. So, AJ, since we've deferred, I'll give you the first go on this one. What are the keys to the game for the Philadelphia Eagles? It's kind of simple to me. I, I, I can, I'll wrap this all up in one bowl. The key for the Eagles is to stay consistent. The Eagles just have to be consistent with everything they've been doing for the entire season. I, I'll put it under, under three categories, right? Um, just keep dominating the line of scrimmage. Keep pounding the rock. And thirdly, and most importantly, just keep Jalen upright. Continue to keep Jalen up. They just have to continue doing these three things. They are the better team, like, in every phase of play. Uh, uh, um, they, uh, as and I even saw y'all talk about this last night on the show as well. Because I, I mean, it's, it's it's a well-known fact by now, right? Like they have the better offensive line, they have the better defensive line. They they dominate the trenches. So all they, all they really have to do, I, obviously, in terms of like one-on-one quarterback matchup, no one is going to take Jalen Hurts over Mahomes. But still, everything else around them, like the Eagles, are better at well, except for coaching as well. Like I'm, I'm not gonna. Put Syrian over Big Red. But still, I mean, they just need to stay consistent with what they've been doing. That's basically it. Just don't be intimidated 
Um, there are players on this team who have been here before. They need to be the leaders on the day to keep everyone level-headed. Jalen Hurts need to, needs to continue doing what he was doing, making plays, and they will be fine. That is, is, that is simply it. Okay, Justin, what will you do? You agree with AJ, or do you have something else? I mean, pretty much. I have y'all know me, and I'm just here to talk about the line of scrimmage. Everyone gets caught up in these fancy playmakers and the quarterbacks, these skill position players. But you know me, football games are won at the line of scrimmage. And if that's the case, then the Eagles have a decided advantage in this matchup. And the first thing, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes has a high ankle sprain. So if you can get home without having to blitz, if you can get home with just Hassan Reddick and um, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Green, like you've basically won the contest. Like get home with those four and also take away the middle of the field. So like you can, with this Kansas City team, this is no longer that big play, one hit, two strike touchdown team. Like there's no more Tyree kill. This is a possession offense. No. So if you can take away Travis Kelsey by doubling him in the middle of the field, force Patrick Mahomes to have to hold on to the ball that much longer, um, probably try to extend plays that you probably won this game. On the other side of the football, you have to me. this is the best offensive lane in all of football. Um, thank you, Ricky, for giving this stat. Each of their five members of this offensive lane individually ranked no lower than seventh at their respective position. You're talking about Jordan Mialata as a left tackle, arguably the best center in football in Jason Kelsey, and arguably the best right tackle in Lane Johnson. Just do what you do by controlling lane of scrimmage, as AJ said. Most importantly, I think the most important players in this game are going to be actually Frank Clark and Chris Jones. You don't want, for what you do, you don't want those two players to have any interior rush. If the rush is going to come, let it come on the outside. You don't want them to have any interior rush to disrupt what you're doing. Um, this offensive lane, if this offensive lane does like it has for these playoffs in the entire season and dominate the lane of scrimmage, then I suspect this is going to be a very long day for Kansas City. What about you, Ricky? What keys have you pinpointed for the Eagles? The keys for the Eagles to me is to be a lot more disciplined than their head coach. No. Their head coach has not demonstrated an ability to process and control emotions. Their head coach, honestly, has been a bit of a a hole in the two playoff games that we've witnessed with him at the helm. Um, there have been moments where you almost act like it's all about him. Some player calls that I'm like, really, dude, seriously, like, let's get real. So if they can control that emotion, which they're likely to have in a game, obviously, like this, um, I think that they just can again control that line of scrimmage. Um, make sure that they have a plan defensively to control Travis Kelsey because, unlike other people, I'm of the opinion that Travis Kelsey has bailed out Mahomes in these playoffs. I mean, you, you could argue he's done it throughout his career, but in these playoffs, he has bailed him out because they have no faith in Kadarius Tony, no faith in Juju. Very little faith that MVS giving you a game like that again. So therefore, for me, if I can control Travis Kelsey, then I can dominate you with Jason Kelsey and the road graders that we have in our offensive line. So for me, control him, and we will see what answers um, 
Kansas City has. But I just think the emotion, I'm worried that the Eagles are going to come out. They're going to be too riled up. And they're going to start to make some mistakes early in the game. And then find themselves having to, to settle it down. I believe that this is where the Andy Reid experience, this is where the Patrick Mahomes third appearance in this game in the last, what, four seasons, five seasons, this is where I think that experience of handling all of this and managing all of this, I think we will see a very settled and focused and clinical Kansas City early. And I think we will see an overcharge led by Nick Sirianni and his madness Eagles team to start this game. And sometimes when your emotions get the better of you in a moment like this, that's where those turnovers and silly plays come. So I'm worried about that from the Eagles' perspective. And that's one of the keys for me. Control your damn emotions from the head coach right away now. So y'all guys have not left anything for me to add <laughs> at all. So we'll just move on. So we'll take it in reverse order of what we just went with. So Ricky, starting with you. Kansas City, what do they need to do to win this game? Chris Jones has to be the man that he is. Creed Humphrey, PFF's number one ranked center, has to be the man that he is. Patrick Mahomes has to be the man that he is. You get the point I'm making here. Those players have to win this game for Kansas City. I And this is where I will agree with the point that guys made earlier. I think those players that are among the best at their position, Travis Kelsey obviously as well, have to do this for Kansas City, especially when they come out and start this game because there are a lot of other players on our team. I ain't putting my faith in Isaiah Pacheco. I ain't putting my faith in, in Clyde Edwards, Elair, whether he's back or not, Ronald Jones, really. Seriously, like, like when I start calling some of these names, right, these are players that have shown me 60 degrees of mediocre. So we can't trust them in this moment. We have to trust the, that big four that I mentioned there. Those are the, going to be the keys. And Andy Reid, I will say this about him. Um, statement, statement Super Bowl for Andy Reid, because if you lose this to this squad, right, it can tarnish your legacy. But if you win this, right, and you get the opportunity now to put that second one on the mantle, um, your your story and your history will be told very, very different. So, statement, statement, Super Bowl for Andy Reid. All right. What about you, Justin? What keys do you identify? Before I go on the keys to piggyback off of what Ricky said, this is so much pressure for Andy Reid because if he loses to Philadelphia, it's not just a team that let him go. It's almost justification for why they let him go. And reason being... They thought he was the guy who couldn't win the big one. And, again, it would be justification because it would be the Eagles' second Super Bowl with two different head coaches and two different quarterbacks, which would kind of point towards Andy Reid being the reason that we couldn't win. So that being said, like Ricky said, first players over players. I've always said that. Like Great players got to be the, the ones and not players. So the three, the four that he mentioned have to be the ones that rise above. But more specifically, again, I'm glad that we have gotten to this stage of football that we no longer talk about 
position players that we're talking about the line of scrimmage because that's where football games are won. So first on Kansas City's offensive line, I'm going to actually go weird here and say I think they're going to have to mass protect. I think you're going to have to bring in some an extra tight end and extra lineman in certain situations because first, I don't know that what you have up front as good as the offensive line is is going to be able to hold off that uh, Philly front seven. I, I, I don't think so. So you're going to have to bring in an extra lineman, an extra tight end, leaving a tight end to chip, leaving a running back to chip. And I don't know that the offensive play calling of Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy are suited for this game because if there's one weakness that this Philadelphia 76, 76ers, I made that mistake again, if this Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles team has, it is the inability to stop the run, especially straight up the middle. And that's not Andy Reid, that's not Eric Bieniemy. I think I would give them a heavy dose of Pacheco. Like, like they just run, 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 and a lot of heavy protect and then play action out of that stuff. But that's not what these Chiefs are. No, on the opposite side of the ball with their defensive lane, like Ricky just mentioned it, Chris Jones and Frank Clark have to be major disruptors. You just have to be late. The moment that you allow Philadelphia to dictate terms on that offensive lane of scrimmage, you've lost the game. Like you have to make plays in that backfield early. And you also have to be disciplined in your pass rush. I say that, like, you have to be disciplined on your lanes. If you're going to pass rush, then you just have to run straight up the field and stay on the outside. You can't have outside pass rushers ducking in on the inside. That is, if there is no a football pet peeve I have, it is outside pass rushers ducking in, especially against mobile quarterbacks. Because the moment that any of these outside pass rushers forget their passing lanes and go try to go up the A gap or go on the inside, you are going to see a ton of Jalen Hurts beating you on the perimeter. You need to set that perimeter first and foremost. If anything, if they're going to run the football, keep everything between the numbers. Keep everything inside the line of scrimmage. Do not let them get outside. If they get outside, whether it is... Miles Sanders, whether it's Jalen Hurts, you're in a whole load of trouble. Frank Clark and Chris Jones have to be, forget Patrick Mahomes, for Kansas City to win, Frank Clark and Chris Jones have to be the best players in this game. Okay. What about you, AJ? What are the keys for the Chiefs? All right. So, (laughs) Justin, you made mention of the guys who always talk about skill players. I'm usually one of those guys, right? <laughs> I'm usually one of those guys, but but and and actually I will mention part of that, but there's something else I will mention uh, with regards to like the line of scrimmage. I, I hope that makes you a little proud. Um, first of all, I, I will say though, I, Ricky, I know you don't have faith in these guys, but one of the main keys for Kansas City in this game to me is to lean on that running game. You mm-hmm. you you absolutely cannot play into um Philly's hands by just having Patrick Mahomes try to sling the ball about for the entire game because um, that Eagles defense, and as you already um, noted, they're going to plan for Travis Kelsey. And no one else that, that Mahomes could send that ball to is going to be as reliable as Kelsey. So if you have Kelsey out of the game, then it's going to be a long-ass night, right? So there's that. I think they need to... Um, and Edward Siller has been activated from IR, actually. So he's back. 
um, Pacheco, McKinnon. Like the Eagles, the Eagles have not given up a hundred yard rusher. I think it's in a, a number of games. No, but game script has dictated a lot of that, right? It's, it's usually the point. The, um, the the reason for that is usually because they're up like heavy, uh, like by halftime and so. Mm-hmm. so by, by the time a, a team, their opponents like get a proper possession, like it has to be like the quarterback throwing the ball all all down the field, right? So. In this case, the Chiefs need to come out strong. They need to lean on the running game. The last time they were at the big dance, when they lost to the Bucks, their leading rusher was Edward Sillier, who had nine carries. This cannot be, exactly, this cannot be the same situation. They cannot do that this time because, as, as has been stated ad nauseum, it will play directly into what the Eagles have been very good at for the entire season. So they need to lean on that running game, not just on one individual, but share the ball about Share the boat a little bit, right? Share the carries. Um, and secondly, this is where I will mention the offensive line. No, the well, yeah, yeah, the Eagles offensive line. Sorry, defensively, y'all already spoke about the key guys on uh, um, on that side, right? For Kansas City, what I will right. mention on the flip side of um, the Eagles offensive line, and this is not in any way to put down this player, but we were having a discussion just a few weeks ago, the most penalized player in the league. And at one point, it was Donovan Smith of the Buccaneers. Y'all know who finished the regular season as the most penalized player in the NFL? Landon Dickerson. Landon Dickerson was actually, yeah, it was Landon Dickerson. He had, um, yeah, that Eagles that he had, um, let me see, when do I have it? Right. Seven holding calls, four false starts, three ineligible downfield. All right. The most in the league. Now, I'm not saying that he is a weak link. But in, in, in the scope of, of everything, a chain is as strong as its weakest link. So you target the weakest link. This, again, this is by no means saying that he is a weak link because that offensive line is pretty awesome. But if you're going to, to target someone, it should be him to, to, to try and offset that and, and, and gain some yards off of those penalties. It, it should be him. Uh, like, like just he, he is the one person that you could potentially like gain some yards off of and because not many teams, if any at all, have had a lot of success in, in breaking those guys down, right? So, uh, scheme up some ways to get pressure on this guy. It, it doesn't necessarily mean you will get to Jalen, but you might you might get the, uh, a few yards and, and um, be able to advance the ball down the field. And, 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 of course, when they get into the red zone, they have to score. They cannot settle for field goal. They, they, that offense has to be clicking. Do whatever you need to do, but it cannot be. You're not going to beat the Eagles by kicking field goals. The same way they couldn't beat the Bucks last time by kicking three, uh, a field goal in each quarter, this is going to be similar to that. They can't do that. So that's what it is for me for Kansas City. There's a lot more for them to do than for the Eagles to do. That is fair. That is fair. And, I mean, again, <laughs> you guys haven't really left much for me to say. Um, <laughs> but what I will add is that... The Kansas City Chiefs of 2023, as currently constructed without having a Tyreek Hill, has shown a propensity to be more methodical, so they're not depending on the big play. And once they continue to do that, and they do not allow the the time of possession to get away from them, they will still be in this game, especially... But because of AJ's favorite stat, which is that the Philadelphia Eagles do not score points in the third quarter. So if they do not get up big 
early, then it gives an opportunity for Kansas City to have a much more balanced game and a much more balanced game plan, which I am sure that Andy Reid is coming with. He is not one of these coaches like a Nick Sirianni, to, as Ricky alluded to earlier. He is not like a Kyle Shanahan who is mm-hmm. going to just decide that all of a sudden Breach. I have to do something different because, Breach. you know... Because I'm Kyle Shanahan. Exactly, because I'm Kyle Shanahan. Andy Reid is going to come into this game and tell himself the Eagles' weakest link on defense is run is their run defense. I am running this football. Just to give you an idea of some statistics. Isaiah Pacheco, for the season, because you know he is a rookie, he had 170 carries for 830 yards, averaging 4.9 yards per carry. And that is the numbers. When you take the eye test, this boy runs like a young Marshawn Lynch. He is angry with the world, and he is running the world over at every opportunity. When they played against the Jaguars back on week 10, Pacheco has 16 carries for 82 yards. And that was, that was not his high watermark for the season. When they played against the Chargers the week after, 15 carries, 107 yards, 7.1 yards per rush. Pacheco has shown that he has the ability, given the opportunity, to make something happen. And the Eagles better come ready to see Pacheco over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because Clay Edwards, he might be the, he might have been the incumbent at the beginning of the season. But this team is going to run through Pacheco in this Super Bowl. Right. If I may just add, I, of as an alum of Rutgers University, Isaiah Pacheco um, from Rutgers University, he's one reason that I wouldn't mind if the Chiefs win this game, just to see Lil Poppy win a Super Bowl. So, yeah, followed his career at Rutgers. I was glad when he got drafted by the Chiefs. And, yeah, he has, he has the talent. I can't dispute that. I just don't think the Chiefs coaches had the discipline to stick with that. All right. So, that I mean, Ricky, you've been giving me the segues all night. So, <laughs> no. Wait, actually, before, because I, I do want to ask you all something real quick before we go to the picks. Sure. This is just, like, it doesn't have to be a, a very long. I just want to know what, what, what would you all do in this situation or what do you think would be wise? So, in, in knowing how the Eagles usually start games, right? If you are Kansas City and you win the toss, do you take that ball first? And, and try to set the pace, or do you defer and then knowing that, you know, you're going to get the, the ball in the second half? How, how do you approach this game? No, knowing, knowing what the Eagles are. Yeah. I, I, again, defer. Like, always, you want your opportunity. There's no greater momentum than doubling up, which is scoring to end a half and coming back and scoring at the start of the third quarter. And you all made mention that the Eagles have some issues indeed with third quarter starts hmm. unfortunately the eagles are one of the five if not the fastest scoring team in the league in terms of how they start out but if you can set the tempo early again i saw it with san francisco in the first quarter and a half what the Reigns did like if kyle shanahan 
was smart enough to challenge the um, catch, catch. Then we're talking about a scoreless Philadelphia Eagles in the first quarter. Right, you are disciplined enough, as I said. You can give Philadelphia the ball early. Contain Jalen Hurts in the pocket. Know that if you're a pass rush, it's coming. Then you can't duck inside. Like if you're going to hand off, dare them to say, "All right, hand off to Miles Sanders." But we're going to live with that in between the numbers. We are going to continue. We're not going to give you outside lanes. I think if you can just keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket long enough and say, we dare you to be a traditional pocket passer and beat us with these pinpoint throws, then I think you can get like two, three quick three notes. And you don't know how that throws off because like Ricky mentioned, it is not like they have a head coach who is extremely uh, well-disciplined. This is a guy that goes up and down very easily. So like, if you get them to two or three quick three notes, then you never know because also what has been lost in translation for the Eagles this season, this is not a team that is accustomed to playing from behind in their entire season. Like they're, They are so accustomed to getting out to quick starts. They have not faced a lot of adversity playing from behind and especially against a veteran team like this Kansas City Chiefs team. Yeah, actually, weird enough, I defer. What were you, Ricky? I agree. I would defer as well. I think uh, pressure bus fight. And in the spirit of Grenada Independence Day, I would want to ensure that I got all of the what? What is it? Is the oil and and and, and what else? Uh, AJ, uh, you talking about oil down? I don't. Oh, the, I, okay. want, I, I want oil. <laughs> I want oil them down to start this game because they have zero faith, Ken. I have zero faith that they are going to be disciplined and they're going to be too charged up to start the game. So yeah, let me put them in a position to make a mistake early. And let me jump on top of them. I just, I just believe it. I can see the first turnover coming. I can see it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I am not taking the ball. I am putting them on offense, and let me see what you can do, because you guys made mention of the fact that the the Chiefs have been here and their key players have been through this before. The coach has been here before as well i mean jared he's he's enjoying he's enjoying the uh, the grenadian references tonight <laughs> but because the the eagles have not as a collective unit have not been here the coach has not been here the quarterback has not been here when they get out there <laughs> the nerves that they're going to feel are going to be things That's that it. they cannot they cannot simulate it's, it's just like, you know, like basketball players hitting free throws at the end of a game. The pressure that is at that point is significantly greater than even if I tell you for every miss that you, you make, you got to pay me a million dollars. You you might feel that, but when it's game time, no, that's, that's something completely different. So I put those boys out there. You go there and you figure out what you're going to do. And... If you can get them through those first 15, 20 plays that you know they're always scripted. They say that the in the NFL like, they have the game script for the first 20 plays. 
which for the Eagles usually ends up in 14 points. And then they struggle to score. Let's get them where the pressure the has pressure. them, knock out those 20 plays, and then we, we can take it from there. So we know who can is seeing a win then. We can skip Ken Rowe. No, I, I, I'm asking the question. I was asking the question <laughs> first. Pick a winner. Justin, who wins the Super Bowl? I want, I love Andy Reid. And because a lot of people don't know that Andy Reid came from our Green Bay system. I, I, I absolutely love Andy Reid. He came from Mike Holmgren. Uh, and, and I thought Philadelphia treated him badly. So I'm glad to see him you know, finally get over the hump in Kansas City. I've already said that Patrick Mahomes is a top 10 quarterback of all time, regardless of the result on Sunday. Um, that being said, like, I can't be a guy who preaches every single week that games are one in the trenches and then pick Kansas City because I always feel like the this is a decided or it's a decided advantage for Philadelphia in both lanes of scrimmage. Like, if there's a strength on the Philadelphia team, I don't know which one is like, like can you look at the offensive lane, which again has such great players, or is this a pass rush? And again, against a hobbled Patrick Mahomes who may not be able to extend plays or a team that may not be willing to run the football. I'm with you all. I don't think, I'm not a fan of Nick Sirianni. I like Shane Steichen as an offensive coordinator, but I think Sirianni lacks the maturity or the, you know, the emotional balance should come with being a great head coach. That being said, I think like at the end of the day, when you look at the lanes of scrimmage, it's going to be hard for me to pick against Philadelphia. So I'm going to go with the Eagles. What about you, Ricky? Who wins? I will also go with the green side of Green Bay and go with the team in green simply because I just do not see how you're going to be able to give Mahomes enough time. I do not have faith in your ability to block. Um, I, interestingly enough, I, I checked Tampa. We only got to him, only sacked him technically three times in that game that we referenced. But Lord knows the pressure like was relentless. I think this could be a similar game. They may not get to him more than those three times, but the pressure could be relentless. And this is a game where I think that the postseason acquisition of an A.J. Brown could come into play in a game like this, where you find yourself in a tight one, you find yourself needing a play, and all that you've done in that offseason to get this player, one big play could be a difference. So I, I have to go with the Eagles because of that reason. I just think that it's going to be too much pressure on Mahomes. Um, too much pressure, bum, ankle. Yeah, the, the math ain't math ain't for me. I got to go with the Eagles. All right. So that's two on the side of the Eagles. AJ, what about you? <sighs> I hate that I have to make this pick. I'm doing this solely out of duty. I want you all to know that because I don't like either of these teams. I don't like either of them. <laughs> and I think we but, know it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I'm going to join the masses. I, I do not see how Kansas City can pull this one out. Um, I think I think it's too much of a mountain to climb. For everything that was mentioned before, um, 
like we spoke extensively about the line of scrimmage. And the thing is, I there was mention, y'all mentioned before the fact that like Kansas City has been here, but a lot of these Eagles players, not a lot, there are a few Eagles players that have been here before that have rings. Some of these guys are on the last Eagles team. Uh, um, and and the thing is, is those players are more are more of the it's, it's mainly the guys in the trenches, I should say. The offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and they, they added like um Sue is one of the guys who they added who so they they have that leadership in, in the most crucial area of the field, which I think is going to translate on the day. And I I do believe that they still will be disciplined enough. Um it was a, it'll be a difference. It it would have been a difference had it been newcomers to the dance, but these guys have been here before. So I think they'll be able to get their jobs done. Um no, again, I I I I've never, I, you know what? I've never really studied Sirianni like that. To, so I take your points on it. But in any case, I, I didn't need to hear that to know that Big Red is a is a by far better head coach. But still, I just think after we talk about like the trenches, with regards to skilled personnel, like that, that has to be mentioned. I I don't have faith in in Kansas City's offense to put up as much points as as the Eagles' offense. I just don't. And I don't have faith in their defense to be able to stop the Eagles as much as the Eagles, I feel, can stop Kansas City's offense. Because the, everyone knows who the main threat is. I'm not saying that everyone knows who the main threat is on Kansas City's offense. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you will be able to stop Travis Kelsey. But at the same time, it, it's, it's better to try and stop him and have the other guys beat you than to not, you know. And then on the flip side, like, I'll take the duo of of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith every day over MVS and um and so TikToker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Easily, yeah. easily. Plus, 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 and I cannot state this enough. The Eagles' ability to to run time off of that clock while being able to run this football is going to be of paramount importance. I think they will still lean on that. It is a three-headed monster in that backfield. None of those guys are are like high-end, like, but they will come in, they will get they will get yardage. And I think the Eagles will continue to do what they have been doing. And I'm not saying it's going to be a blow. I don't think it's going to be another Bucks Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose that badly. But even if it's a relatively close game, a close game, I see the Eagles taking it. Much to my dismay, but hey, that's your okay. Eagles. <laughs> okay. So when I was deciding what shirt I was going to wear for today's <laughs> show, I so, I have so much green in my wardrobe, it's not even funny. <laughs> you would think that because I am the, the blue side of the Green Beach podcast, I have more blue in my wardrobe, but apparently I have a lot more green. <laughs> so I'm going to start with what I said yesterday on hashtag this just in. The Chiefs were my pick to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. They were my pick to win it at the beginning of the playoffs. And I don't have any reason (laughs) to go against that pick. I believe that the Chiefs are good enough on defense to stymie the run game of the Eagles while also being stout enough on their offensive line to give Mahomes time to make his magic happen. He'll have had another two weeks of working on the high ankle sprain, 
So hopefully it'll be better this week than it was in the conference championship, giving him an opportunity to move around better. He'll also have had time to get more of a rapport with the young receivers who were pressed into the conference championship due to the injuries to Kadarius Tony, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Michael Hartman. I am not discounting the Eagles in the slightest, but I believe in Mahomes and the Chiefs. And to, to what I did not write down, Remember, I made mention of the fact that this Chiefs offense plays significantly different to how it played with Tyreek Hill in the ranks. There were a big strike, big play, big everything offense back then. This team is not built that way. So therefore, Mahomes has had to use a lot more of the short passing game a lot more of the screens, a lot more usage of his running backs, both during the regular game floor and as catching options, passing options out of the backfield. Which means that he does not need to hold the ball as long as he would have when they got blown out by the Buccaneers. His offensive line is better now than it was back then. And while he may have lost some talent in the skills positions, because Tyree Hill is no longer there, as a collective unit, they have been just as productive all season long, going up against some very good defenses along the way. And not to forget, Patrick Mahomes has averaged for himself, if he does not take another snap in the NFL, he averages in his five seasons as a starter 4,791 yards per game. And if you add that rookie season in, it is 4,040. When you do the math, that is over 300 yards a game. So if he can get what his average is, and I see no reason why he can't, and if they get 80 to 100 yards from the running backs in this game. I see the Chiefs winning. I I picked them at the beginning of the year, and me and my red shirt going down swinging. I am in the corner with Big Red. All right. <laughs> so I wish, I am so sorry that because of the calendar, we will not be here next week. Because I would love to be back and see your faces when I am smiling and you are not because I was right and you were wrong. Don't get but, me wrong. I wanted Chiefs to win, but yeah. Yeah, you you, 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 got, you got to make the educated pick. Well, yeah. I am sticking, I am wearing my heart on my sleeve and my blood beats red. <laughs> I am going with Big Red. I will be the only one out here on that limb this week. And like I said, unfortunately, we will not be with you next week because next week, Tuesday, is February 14th. The esteemed gentlemen on this panel have responsibilities that I will not be pulling them away from. So we will not be here next week, but we will be back the week after. Hopefully, you gentlemen will be available to join us as well so that we can we can take a look back not just at the Super Bowl but I'm sure that there will be plenty of other activity 
between now and then. So, of course, Justin, hashtag this Justin, tell the folks where they can find you before we go. Before I go, thank you again, guys. It's always a pleasure, and especially when Ricky is on this show. Like, uh, it, it can't have a better time than to chop it up with you all three guys. Like, you know, and it also makes me remember home is just a, a phone call away. So if you're watching, please indeed, you know, subscribe, follow, like everything that Green Beige puts. So um, for me, no, hashtag this Justin, as you know, I always say, put in that hashtag. You don't want Matt Skellerman, you want the real this Justin. So yeah. hashtag <laughs> We are on live every Monday night on uh, YouTube. That is 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Um, or short form content, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Again, hashtag this Justin. If you're not finding us, you're not looking hard enough. All right. And of course, thank you very much, Ricky, for being here with us. We always enjoy your input, your takes. We, we're glad even the times when you can play a referee for me and AJ. So, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and so, I, I know I know those moments will continue over the next few months. Oh yeah. Uh, that's why we're here. <laughs> that's how we started this that is for sure and i mean we're going to end in a similar fashion to the way we began which is i too want to extend greetings and happy independence day to the nation of grenada we know from being in the caribbean what independence means mm -hmm. for us so this is something that's definitely to be celebrated so share that guys of course. So for the Green Beige Podcast, as always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And we will see you next time.